0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 30 as we continue walking through uh, this sermon series. It's been. um, interesting for me to kind of jump in in the middle of this and kind of pick up where uh, Adam has left off. I'm thankful to see that man back in the building. That means he'll be back in this pulpit next Sunday, and I will be in the pew, which I look forward to. Um, last week, we walked through a very interesting and challenging passage that outlined just how Jacob expanded his family and how ultimately the 12 tribes of Israel came to be. Uh, We were encouraged to see the example of of how to turn to the Lord in hard circumstances. And we looked and, and read in that passage how the Lord's plan cannot be thwarted. And ultimately we were reminded that God's ultimate story in Scripture remains and that is that the Lord redeems. And we're going to pick up in that narrative now with Jacob and and his family have been living there now. Remember that Jacob has worked for 7 years in order to marry Rachel and was deceived and given Leah and so he worked another 7 years. So he's been there for 14 years now, but those 14 years of service are complete. Yeah, and that gave him time to bear those 12 children. Now, we we see no account given in scripture during that time of him whining or complaining of him being upset about his time there he's put in his service to Laban. In, in fact, the account we read shows that he worked diligently the entire time and and because of that the Lord blessed Laban through Jacob. But Jacob's 14 years are up, and just to be honest, he's done. We pick up here in Genesis 30, beginning in verse 25. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own country and my own home. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go. For you know the service that I've given you. He doesn't ask. He doesn't say, please. He just says, give me my family and let me go. Verse 27, but Laban said to him, if I've found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Now he says here that that he 's learned by divination a, a reference here that just, just proves that Laban was a pagan all right he didn 't believe in the Lord, but like many pagans, he recognized the blessing of God that was on Jacob he could tell that god 's hand was on him, and he knew it was because of Jacob that his uh, flocks had done so well i 'm reminded other parts of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, we read, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Laban says, name your wages and I'll give it to you. Name your price. Let's, let's renegotiate here. It's, it's his, his way of saying, maybe, maybe you could stay along. Maybe he's assuming that, that he could work for it because he knows that Jacob doesn't have anything of his own. Or maybe it's just kind of an unspoken thing that he's not going to allow him to leave. Now, Laban and Jacob both knew this one thing, and that was that Jacob didn't have anything. Jacob had worked all of these years, but all of the profit or the wages had gone to Laban. Now, Jacob has this large family, and he has nothing to show for it. He has nothing to take care of them with. He has no wealth. Look with me in, cha- in verse 29. Jacob said, you yourself know how I have served you and how your lov- livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now when shall I provide for my own household? He said, what shall I give you? Now, Jacob wasn't shy here. He wasn't timid here. He declares, the Lord has blessed you because of my hard work. Your stock has increased greatly. Literally, this word just translated as teeming or overflowing because of my time here. Because the Lord blessed you through me. But now, what about my family? How am I going to take care of my family? The secret to Jacob's success in working for Laban is that even in these unpleasant circumstances, and this unpleasant relationship he had with his father-in-law, he was counting on the Lord to protect and prosper his efforts. Remember back in Genesis chapter 28 when the Lord came to Jacob. He says in, in chapter 28 verse 15, Behold, I am with you. And I will keep you and wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Now we see here this promise that he remembers the Lord giving him. Yet he's worked all of these years. Now he hasn't complained about that, but his service is complete. Everything that he has done has turned out well. He knows the Lord is blessing him. And Laban knows that as well. Now Jacob is confronting Laban and insisting that everything that's happened has been become a, because of the Lord. Now I want to pause here with one application for you and I as we look at this relationship that he's had all of these years with Laban. And that is that we are to work as unto the Lord. You and I are to serve as unto the Lord no matter what our situation is. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. We see almost an identical passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning in verse 5. Bondservants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with sincere heart as you would obey Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or if he is free. You see, Jacob found himself indebted to his father in law. Which had already proved to be a liar and a cheat to him. Over and over, Laban had changed his wages, had treated him poorly. And yet, he still worked for 14 years in his service. He had to decide every morning when he got up how he was going to handle going to work again that day. Knowing that all of his efforts were going to prosper someone else other than himself. As believers, you and I have the same choice to make, don't we? We're called, actually expected by the Lord, to live out our faith in every circumstance of life. And that includes in our job as well. Jacob's choice each day was simple. He could go in and do whatever he wanted to do just to get by. He could go in and be bitter. He could go in and cheat. Laban had cheated him. He surely had those thoughts and that opportunity. Or he could do all things as unto the Lord. You know, we are called to put our faith to work on our behalf. But what does faith really have to do with our job, with our vocation? If we have faith that the Lord is bigger than our circumstances, it has a lot to do with it. If we have faith that the Lord knows what we're facing each day, it has plenty to do with it. If we have faith that the Lord has placed us where we are for a reason, then we're able to address it. If we trust what we discussed last week, that the Lord's plans are going to prevail and, and that the Lord will deal with us one day, that one day we're going to give an account for our lives and one day our boss will give an account for theirs as well, then it begins to play itself out. And we see an example here how Jacob for 14 years served diligently under someone who was not treating him properly. Now, before God called me into ministry, I was working for an oil company in Opelika, and I I worked there for many years. And the the owner of that company was a very hard woman. She was uh, divorced, and she was lonely, and she was bitter, and she made sure that those around uh, her understood that. And over and over, we were dealing with a situation that was very complicated. And day after day... Like Jacob, I had to decide how I was going to work. I'll never forget one Thanksgiving. I got a phone call. I was literally about to sit down for Thanksgiving lunch. And it was the owner of the company. And she said, I want you to go out to one of our stores and I need you to fire the cashier. Now, realized that if I fired her, that meant that I had to take her place and work the rest of the day. So I was not really excited about that. And I said, well, what, what has she done? Well, she hasn't cleaned the parking lot today. And I said... I said, with all due respect, she's given up the day with her family. She's not going to Thanksgiving. She's working in order for the store to be open. Why don't we just let her be for the day? I tried to make peace with her, but I called that cashier and I said, what's going on? And she said, I don't know. She's been sitting out there for an hour. I found out later that she had taken trash the night before and placed it in the parking lot. And on Thanksgiving Day, gone around to find out who had not found that trash yet. And so I had to talk to that employee who was ready to just quit anyway. She said, I don't want to work for this lady any longer. And I had to talk to her and say, don't worry about her. You worry about you. You do the right thing here and we'll let the Lord deal with her. Over and over, I had to do the same thing. I had to make those kind of decisions in how I was going to deal with that boss. Now, she was the example of a a very hard boss. But you all know the story about four years ago, I had a meeting with Adam Camp in Louisville, Kentucky. And we sat down at TGI Fridays and we began what ultimately was going to lead me to be at work here. And at that appointment, at that lunch, I found out that he loved the Word of God. He trusted the inerrancy of the Word of God. He loved the local church and he had a heart for the nations. And in that meeting began the workings that brought me to Rosemont. Now, I'd like to stand before you today and say that all four years that I've skipped into the office, excited about every decision that he's made. (laughs) Even with him on the front row, I'm going to say that's not true. (laughs) But what do I do? God has called him to be the pastor of this church. He's called me to serve in my role. I don't have to worry about his decisions. I have to worry about my responses, right? And so, I sit, and the verse that that comes to me over and over again is Hebrews 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that is of no advantage to you. I claim this verse for myself, Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now, make no mistake, I'm not standing here and comparing Laban's horrible situation with Jacob to mine and Adam's. I have a great boss. But the reality is is that there are differing opinions All of us in our circumstances have to decide that we're going to make our decisions based on the Lord. And we see over and over and over here that Jacob has been dealing with this for 14 to 20 years. And he continues to deal with it well. Jacob surely had to remind himself of the promises of God. He had to remember that the Lord promised that he would be with him. Back in Genesis 28, he promised that he would be with him and that he would be with him until the end and he would surely see through the plans that he had promised. You and I have to do the same thing, right? We have to, we've been commanded to cling to the promises of God and to trust the Word of God. And when things get difficult for us, we can turn to the Word and see how it is that we are to face our day. We have been told to, do the sa- to claim the same promise that Jacob claimed, and that is the Lord promises to be with us. You and I have the same promise that the Lord promises to be with us in our lives. Jacob had it in a dream at the ladder, but you and I have it throughout the entirety of Scripture, particularly in the New Testament. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, we read one of these promises. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you a helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he neither sees them nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in in my Father and you in me. And I in you. Now, over the past weeks, I've been poring over this narrative of Jacob and, and all the things that he's been through and picking up in the middle of this story and, and trying to understand the thread of Genesis that comes throughout this story because there's been some crazy things that we've talked about last week and we're about to get into some more with some sheep and some goats. Jacob's story is long and it's complicated. He hasn't always responded well. And, and throughout this narrative, we've seen one thing. And that is the, the promise of the Lord that he had his hand on Jacob. Not only had it, did he have his hand on Jacob, but he had a plan for Jacob. And it was going to be accomplished. He had promised Jacob in Genesis 28, I will be with you. As believers, you and I on this side of the cross have that same promise. We have the advantage of knowing how the story turns out. We have the advantage of knowing that God sent his son, that Jesus really did come and live a sinless life, that he did die on the cross on our behalf, was raised. And we have the rest of the New Testament that that tells us that one day he'll come again for us. We we know that he's given us his spirit and he's promised the Holy Spirit will dwell with us and the, the promise for us as redeemers, we have that confirmation day in and day out that the Lord is with us. The Lord promises to be with you and I throughout our Christian journey as well. What comfort it is while studying through the Old Testament book that He's promised us the same thing that He's promised Jacob. That he will be with him and that he will be with us. Now pick back up with me in verse 31. Laban asked Jacob, what shall I give you? And now he responds. Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you'll do this for me, I will again pass to your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all of your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come and look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats or black among the lambs is found with me shall be counted as stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in charge of his sons, put his charge in sons of them. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So he says to him, let's make a proposition here. Okay, don't give me anything because I think you're going to lie or cheat to me. I'll stay and work, but let me set some new conditions. We all know that that most of the animals are solid. and, And so if you'll just give me the ones that are born speckled or spotted, then that can be my wages. Okay? And Laban says... How can he lose in this? This sounds like a great deal. Laban knew that most animals were born that way. He knew the, the obvious advantage to this agreement. And so he agrees and he personally goes and pulls out the animals and separates them. Now Jacob knew the genetics of this. He had been pasturing the flocks. He knew what was normally born. The difference here was this. Jacob was going to have to depend on God for the circumstances of these births. And God was going to have to show up if he was going to prosper in this agreement. He had to trust whether the Lord was going to come through on his behalf again. But he was reminded of the promise that he had in Genesis 28 that the Lord was going to be with him. And we'll find out next week when Adam preaches through Genesis chapter 31 that he had had a dream. The Lord had came to him in another dream, and he had saw all the animals that were born speckled and spotted. The agreement seems to favor Laban, but Jacob had the blessing of God on him. Pick up with me in verse 37. So then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth, striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the blackened the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whoever, "...whenever the stronger of the flocks were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock, that they might breed among the sticks. But the feebler of the flock, he would, lay, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly, and had large flocks, female servants, and male servants, and camels, and donkeys." So last week we studied how the Lord increased the size of Jacob's family. Now we see, we're about to see the Lord increase the size of Jacob's possessions. Now the mating that I get to describe this week is going to be a little more comfortable for me than last week. (laughs) Thanks again, Pastor, for that passage. I'm I'm still not quite over that. Um... You remember last week that Reuben had found mandrakes in the field and and brought to his mother Leah. And Rachel offered one night with Jacob in, in order to exchange the mandrakes. So they were rumored to have these fertility qualities... Well, we kind of see that same thing happening again, except this time it's about sticks being revealed with white. There was a, 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 a thought of the day or a superstition that if, if they saw white while they were mating, that they would come speckled or striped instead of one solid color. Now, the theologians have three different concepts of what this might have been about the different theories. The first one is is that Jacob believed, just like everybody else, that if you put white sticks in front of them while they were mating, that they would produce white and speckled. The second theory is that, that it actually does work, and that these sticks had some chemical in them, or there was some kind of reaction when they saw this while mating, and it did cause that. The third theory is because of the dream that we know about in chapter 31, that he already knew that they were going to be born that way, that God told him to do it. Just as God later caused Moses to set up a bronze servant on a stick for others to look up, it was an act of faith on Jacob's part. To be honest, we don't know the answer of why the animals were born that way. Regardless of what caused uh, Jacob to put these sticks in there, the result was this. Lots and lots of animals were born striped and speckled. And Jacob's possessions increased greatly. We see his stock had grown to a huge flock. Now, whether he believed it or not, we don't know. But the truth of the matter is this. Just like we found out about the mandrakes, that they didn't produce the fertility. Because the scripture says in Genesis 30 verse 2 that God was the one that opened Rachel's womb. It wasn't mandrakes that opened up her womb. And in, then Scripture tells us in 31 verse 9, which Adam will talk about next week, that the Lord has taken away the livestock of your father. So on both occasions, the Lord was given credit for the results. The story of Jacob is a long entangled story. However, over and over again, we see Jacob trusting the Lord. He had little to offer his wives or children. Here he was, 14 years, and he had nothing for them. And Laban said, what, what would you have me to work for? And so he made this deal with him. It's another point that we see in this passage of Scripture is that we can trust the Lord. Just says, Jacob, in the midst of unknown circumstances, found himself making a deal with his lying and cheating father-in-law. He trusted the Lord to work out the details, and you and I can trust the Lord as well. I don't know what situations are going on in each of your lives. I know that in my own life, I find myself looking at all the circumstances that are going on and all the problems that I have, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to maneuver through these and how I can fix the situation at hand. And I have to be reminded, and I was reminded as I studied this passage, that I can trust the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives a pretty stern lecture that hits home for me. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat, or about what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, in even Solomon, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, as we come to the end of chapter 33, we find that Jacob has become a rich man. He has many children and now he has many flocks. Like his grandfather Abraham, he now is in command of servants and flocks and camels. Jacob's prosperity did not rest on dishonesty. He was absolutely truthful in all of his dealings with Laban, despite the deceit that Laban had for Jacob. Laban's son in chapter 31 will complain that Jacob was stealing their inheritance and had taken their father's wealth, but that is simply not true. It was the providence of God that had brought this to pass. God had caused these animals to be born this way based on the agreement that was made. Even the servants and male servants and the camels and the donkeys and the large flocks. All of this was from the Lord. The language here is exactly like the language we saw in chapter 28 verse 15. When he was promised that the Lord would be with him and take care of him. The dream that he had on the ladder. As Jacob prospered, he knew it was as a result of the revelations that he had when he was in Bethel. Throughout all of Jacob's ups and downs, the Lord had been present on Jacob's behalf. Jacob could now begin to see, despite the deceit from his father-in-law Laban, despite the fighting between Rachel and Leah, that he had begun to become a people. The beginning Of becoming a great nation. And it was solely the work of God on his behalf. Likewise, likewise, all his prosperity rested solely on God's blessing. It's not that he had figured it out. It's not that he had somehow conspired it to happen. Laban knew that it was the Lord and he was a pagan. Jacob knew that it was the Lord working on his behalf. And all of history would know that as well. Soon in chapter 31, Jacob will finally leave Laban and begin his journey to the land that was promised. But again, God will have to make the way for him. The picture we see here of Jacob's life is a picture of what is still yet to come in Scripture. Jacob's exile in these 20 years is a picture of the nation of Israel that will one day be exiled in Egypt. Just as Jacob's family has multiplied while exiled these years, so will the tribes of Israel multiply to a vast multitude before the exodus from Egypt. Just as Laban and his sons feel like they were plundered when Jacob is leaving, so will the Egyptians, when they tell Israel to take whatever they want, just go And just as God would protect and free Jacob from Laban and clear the way for him to proceed to the promised land, so would God loose Israel from Pharaoh and open the way into Canaan. And ultimately, all of this is a picture of the ultimate Israel, that is, Christ, who would make a way for the ultimate exodus for his people by providing a way of salvation through his Son. You see, we can read this story and get bogged down in all of the details of sticks and mating practices and mandrakes and things that I have spent the last two weeks pondering over. But we have to look at the bigger picture of all that the Lord is doing in the process. In your life and in my life, we have to step back and look away from the things that are drawing our attention. From the distractions And the minor parts of the story to see the bigger banner over our lives. The Lord God, if we are believers in this room, has called us. He has purchased us from our sins. He has redeemed us and he has a plan for our lives. And he has us at the place that he has us for a reason. And you and I have to look for the redemptive plan of God. And quit getting caught up in the difficulties and the distractions of our daily life. Jacob's story was long and he rarely knew what was coming next. However, he did know that the Lord had made promises on his behalf. And the Lord had promised to be with him through the process. You and I have that same promise over our name if we're believers in him. May we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and allow the other things to be added along the way. May we live in order to honor Him, looking to the big picture to what God is going to do on our behalf. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we... Come into this place, and we read this story of Jacob, and we continue to see this lived out in in all of the journey and all of the chaos, and we're reminded that that we as believers, as children of the King, are on a journey ourselves. God, I thank you for your Word and the promises of your Word that you will be with us. The promise that you've left us your Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and prompt us. And God, for the admonition for us to work as unto you. God, I pray that today that you would remind us of the big theme that you have in life. That you have a plan and that your desire is to work out that plan for your glory. God, I don't know what distractions have drawn our attention away, but we pray today that our attention and our affections would be placed on you. That you would receive glory and that we would live in light of the fact that we know the rest of the story. Be glorified in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you.